Jumpy, I dig the all Cardinals look today. You got um, it, man. That was the wildest half inning of baseball I've ever, ever watched <laughs> as a baseball fan ever. It was the best. Maybe, maybe the wildest just portion of a sporting event that I've ever seen. Just absolute. I couldn't believe it. The whole time I was watching, I was like, dude, they're not doing anything right. <laughs> oh, it was bad. I've never it, well, seen anything. It was. Like yeah, it was. I mean, not at that level. I Dude, mean, think about think about the Braves fans who like took the day off of work to go watch that game and and showed up like, 10 minutes 10 minutes after first pitch was thrown and they're down <laughs> 7 to nothing and it's just like, "Oh, yeah. I spent 200 bucks on these tickets. Great." Yeah. About to be miserable. Um I almost, I, I, okay, I shouldn't say I almost, but I said, well, because my boss goes, are you going to the game or what? I'm in my Cardinals game. I was like, well, no, it's in Atlanta. And he goes, well, I mean, if you left right now, you can make it. I was like, you're going to, you're going to let me go. And he's like, yeah, go for it. And I was like, ugh, that's eight hour drive. And I'm sure those tickets would have been stupid expensive. Oh, eight, eight hours if you don't hit any traffic at all. Right. <laughs> like, Going into Atlanta, that's like basically impossible. You'd be better off trying to fly into Atlanta and then Ubering from So are we tweeting this out or what there, guy? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) If you guys want to talk amongst yourselves, I can tweet it. What, you don't know how to do two things at once there, John? What an idiot. One at a time, Ugh. at the very, very most. What an idiot! Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I don't like vamping there, John. So I'm not doing your job for you. I don't know what that means. Yeah, what does it? What is it? What's a vamp? Basically, by time. Oh. Yeah. No, I'm not about that either. Just, you know, just get to the point. It's just like the Cardinals today. They just got to the point. We're going to crush you, and we're going to basically ruin your whole last game at home. I'll tell you what. I enjoyed it because I didn't have to stress. I was My stress was over in the first inning. I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, on to, on to the next one. Like, that's, that's, that's pretty rare in baseball that you feel like, Oh, yep, it's over, like, in the first inning. Yeah. So I got to watch. I just put it – so we have a two-TV set up. I just put it on the top TV, and I watched Big Mouth on the bottom TV. There you go. Have you seen Big Mouth, by the way? Oh, I just assumed you were looking in a mirror. Ha-ha! <laughs> oh, oh, Ethan's got them jokes! <laughs> I got jokes today. Oh, poor Panda Havoc in the in the chat. He is uh, he's stressing about the Dodgers right Shit, now. I need to be watching uh, that right now. What am I doing? Jesus. Stumpy's like, let me get let me get a mirror and the Dodgers game up. I'm gonna have read nothing. God damn it! <laughs> you know, no offense, Panda Havoc, but I'm really rooting for the Nationals. Really rooting. We have two people in the chat right now because John's no. taking for goddamn ever to get it out. I had to tweet that. That like that's not my my forte. 
Yeah, you, you I, are. I, I suck at Twitter. I don't know you if you kind of are an idiot. I, I suck at the Twitter. You sound <laughs> yeah, like a 90 year old man. <laughs> I tried to do the Twitter and then I, I don't I, understand this machine. I don't understand. I click the buttons, <laughs> nothing happens. Where are the likes? Where's the ad? Is it, is it you have to juggle, right? It's jujal, jujal. <laughs> I'm going back to MySpace. Soft G. This is jujals. All right. Oh, Panda Havoc already talking smack in the chat. I love it. Uh, he says <laughs> oh, I, I really don't. I mean, you they, don't. They, they are. are them, them and the Astros are That's the very true, league's best two teams. I just hope that the uh, the Dodgers don't lose to the Astros again. Well, they won't because the Cardinals are going to win anyway. Hmm. There you go. Interesting. And that and that's the bottom line. Yeah. Because Stompy kind of said so. All right, enough about baseball. Let's uh, talk some fantasy <laughs> yeah. football. Talk here. football. Let's do it. Because we are live. This is I, – I haven't done one of these before. This is uh, – got some anxiety about this. I usually just do the one where I, first of all, don't have to be on camera um, and can pick my nose freely. Uh, yeah, dude, pick your nose. Look at this shit. Whatever. <laughs> you can still I mean, do it. It's, it's, an, it's a thing that everybody does. So I hope everyone got, got I hope everyone got that good and screenshotted because that could come <laughs> in handy later. Listen, I've put my junk on the internet at this point, so I don't really have anything to lose. That's true. Yeah. yeah his that's political true. career was, was screwed a long time ago. Uh, oh, dude, could you imagine me as a politician? I'm so God, no. angry most of the time. So I'm just like, ugh, this is. The I mean, I think you'd get right way. in. I don't know. I would be like, seriously, you're you like you're just a, a bad tan away from being the. the yeah, no, president. don't you dare! <laughs> I am, I am an angrier Bernie Sanders. And <laughs> Bernie Sanders is already pretty angry. Yeah, very true. All right, fair enough. Uh, anyways, yeah, we're, we're live with the Superflex Super Show. My first time doing one of these, so uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I somehow paired myself with Stompy, um, and uh, got some twice, twice got, this week. That's right, that's right. Yeah, so it's that's gonna be weird, but we've got some Ethan Turner here to cut the spice, so that'll be good. Uh, before we get into this live mailbag show, I just want to tell you if you haven't subscribed already to the dlf family of podcasts not only can you find the super flex super show you can also find all of the great podcasts from dlf including the read and react idp podcast where dynasty veterans tom kislingberry and sticky z guide you through the world of idp fantasy football leagues with analysis for both beginner and veteran idp enthusiasts you'll be sure to find something useful and interesting every episode Stompy also knows IDP pretty well, but it, you can you can get your fix with the Read and React podcast, and then uh, uh, every now and then we'll we'll sprinkle a little bit in. I just I've got one IDP league, and I have no idea what I'm doing ever. Um, I just joined an IDP league this year. It's my first one. I listen to this really? podcast, so it has helped me to a four and one record. To start Whoa. the year, despite knowing absolutely nothing about IDP. So, uh, so brag on your roster for just a second, man. Let's hear it. Well, um, let me just let me pull it up real quick. Uh, when when playing any any type of league format that you don't know anything about um, and don't really practice, 
the, the key is to just go with what you know up front. So my offensive starters are are pretty solid. I'll be honest. Um, I, I went offense heavy because I had no idea how IDP was even scored um, or really any IDP players that I needed. So I have put together a, a pretty solid squad here. I'm pulling it up right as we speak. And do you want the whole squad? Because we play like a ton of IDP players in this league. Maybe just some uh, some of the some of the core defensive players. Just so the highlights. My core, my core is really uh, it really revolves around Khalil Mack is D line eligible in this league. So my D lineman, I got lucky. Um, I did some very in draft research on Sam Hubbard, and he has played inc- incredibly well to start the year. Uh, so Sam Hubbard and, uh, Khalil Mack are kind of my defensive line linemen. And while it's not a sexy position in IDP, from what I understand, uh, it's definitely a positional advantage to have those two guys putting up some serious points week to week. Um, linebacker wise, I went with TJ Watts. I'm a Steelers fan. Um, I've got uh, Damian Wilson, who is is starting for Kansas City right now. He's putting up a ton of points for me. Um, John Bostic, who is the the Washington linebacker, is also helping me out. I've got Todd yeah, Davis. He's not good, but it doesn't matter when you're on the. Doesn't field. matter. He, he's putting up numbers. Um, Todd Davis uh, is another guy that's kind of uh, kind of sitting there. And then in, in the wings, I, I did rec- I, I went after the rookies because I really didn't know. Um, a whole lot outside of the rookie class at this point. So I, I do have Devin White. Um, I do have Ed Oliver as my kind of my two rookies that are are, are holding down the fort. But for the most part, it's it, it's the offensive guys that I'm winning with and, and the defensive guys are just, I'm just trying to put together um, a solid core of, of defensive guys that are getting me points week to week um, and letting the offense kind of uh, ransack people. So... It's it's worked out quite well. I just got Tyree Kill back too. So if he plays, my, my team looks much, much better. So um overall, not too shabby, uh, despite the fact that I still don't really know what I'm doing. But I'm four and one. So you just you just keep going. Yeah, I mean the difference with IDP versus um the offensive side of the ball is that snap share actually matters because you're actually on the field and making plays every play or you're, yeah. you're going after the ball every play, whereas you have to rely on other people to get you the ball on the offensive side of the ball. So guys like John Bostic, who I said are not is not a good linebacker, but he's on the field 90% of the time and he's going to make tackles, especially at middle linebacker. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the major difference there is that you don't, IDP doesn't really rely on other players. I mean, yes, yeah, some middle linebackers are better because they're off their defensive lines suck. And so they have to make those tackles, but yeah, I mean, the guys that are on the field most of the time are going to be making the plays and that's not necessarily true on the opposite side of the ball. So James is giving us crap. Um, not sure why he's even in the chat, but uh, I, I mean, always, always good to have uh, one of our co-hosts just hanging out. But uh, um, at the same time, I don't Get know out. that we need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll kindly ask you to leave. No, just uh, so he's giving us crap for not talking about quarterbacks yet. So, oh, anyway, sorry. so <laughs> no, whatever. Whatever, it's a football podcast above all else. Everybody knows that. 
Um, but we we can leave the rest of the IDP to the read and read react boys, uh, Tom and Sticky. But uh, let's we'll get into our episode here. And uh, before we well, we're kind of letting people still file in. Uh, we already have five people in the chat, so welcome everybody. Thanks for joining. Um, while we're uh, waiting for even more to file in, we're gonna do a Thursday night preview here. Um, our, so we do start sits every week, uh, complete with injury reports from the great Ethan Turner. And those come out Friday morning and Saturday morning, res- respectively. So we don't really get a chance to preview the Thursday nighter. So we're going to do it here. I'm going to let Stompy break this one down with the Giants at the Patriots. Uh, can I just say gross? <laughs> like legitimately, no. like they should not play Daniel Jones in this one, the Giants. Yeah. It's it's a really bad game and it wasn't going to be a good game in the first place, but now um, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley and Wayne Gallman have all been ruled out. So basically the top three playmakers for the giants and Wayne Gallman have all been ruled out. Uh, So, I mean, yeah, Daniel Jones is in a world of hurt without those guys in the first place, but now you have to consider that they are playing the, best defense in the league thus far, I suppose. I mean, at the end of the day, maybe the Bears are up there, whatever. But currently, they the Patriots, which is super unfair, but the Patriots are the best defense in the league, and, and they have Tom Brady leading their offensive side of the ball. So that dynasty looks to continue. And so the Giants are going to win by at least a score. That's yeah, score. no. Because <laughs> if the Patriots are, are destined to win the game, the Giants, oh, I the see. Giants, the Giants do tend to play spoiler. So. Mind you, Eli is not playing, which is why they should put Eli in the game. Uh, Eli is going to come in off the bench for a absolutely massacred Daniel Jones, because he's going to get destroyed in this yeah. game. There's no way that he comes out of this unscathed. Right. Uh, and Eli is going to lead them back to within four touchdowns. And that, I think, is a win for Giants fans. It <laughs> would yeah. be all right. But the Patriots are 17-point <laughs> favorites. So, oh, there's there's another point. Uh, Panda Havoc has made the weather is supposed to be gross. Um, so yeah, that's even better for a Thursday night game. So not only is it Thursday night game, not only is it a horrendous matchup, but it's going to be a bad weather game. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, so new England ranks first in DVOA on deep on the defensive side of the ball. They're like second against the pass third against the run. They've allowed the fewest points, the fewest yards on the season. They've allowed the fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks, um, they might have just allowed the fewest points to every position uh, this season. Now, sorry, the 49ers have allowed the fewest points to running backs, um, and New England's allowed the third fewest points to wide receivers. I apologize. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's a really, really bad matchup for anything New York-related. And you, you might have so – people may have thought about starting – Darius Slayton because of all the pass catchers going down and not playing, but yeah, he's, he's a red light. There's, there's honestly not one green or yellow light on the Giants. So sit all of your giants this week. 
Um, in terms of the Patriots, it's it's a bad secondary. It's really just a bad defense overall for the Giants. I mean, they've allowed the seventh most fantasy points to QBs. Um, they've done okay against uh, running backs. They've allowed the 17th most points to running backs. Um, but last week they allowed Dalvin Cook to go for 132 yards on the ground and then 86 yards through the air. They've allowed double-digit fantasy points to one, two, three, four, five, six running backs through five weeks. So if if the game is going to be sloppy and the uh, Patriots are going to dominate, Michelle is a good start because he will be asked to run the ball more. I don't know if Burkhead is active either. Um, Maybe you can tell me that. I believe he is. Okay. Yes, I believe he is. Who's practicing? I don't know if they've ruled him for sure in, but everything is pointing towards that being the case. Okay. So, I mean, that might take away um, Michelle's upside. So, what? Pay attention to that. Michelle's a green light if Burkhead doesn't play. I would say he's a yellow light if Burkhead does play. Um, I still think that Michelle will get plenty of carries this game. Um, and then you'll obviously want to start Edelman, obviously um, start Josh Gordon because the secondary is atrociously bad uh, for the Giants. So, yeah, you have Brady, uh, Brady Edelman, and Gordon are green lights for me. Uh, Michelle is kind of a greenish yellow for me because it depends on if Rex Burkhead plays. And then I guess James White is also a yellow light as well. He's never, he doesn't really have the ceiling, but he has a good floor. So uh, our our guy James just asked in the chat who you're starting at flex, Sony Michelle or Josh Gordon? Non-PPR, it's Michelle. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. If it's PPR, I think you can make a better case for Gordon um, just because I do think that Burkhead ends up playing in this uh, one. Actually, maybe this is a trick question. James, do not start any Thursday night players in your flex ever. Oh, that is. <laughs> um, I see tricky. what he was going for there. Yeah. And that's why we told you to get out, James. Yeah. Quit trying Trick to throw questions. <laughs> we'll get into the mailbag episode and uh, answer another question from James before we get to. God our, damn it, James. This is about <laughs> our listeners, not you. he's just he's just dominating this chat right now uh all right so anyways here's his question in a redraft league juju smith schuster and carry on johnson for alvin kamara and terry mclaurin what side wins standard ppr i mean it's kamara and mclaurin for me there's nobody on new orleans besides michael thomas and kamara that are catching the ball the issue with mclaurin is i don't know what the qb situation is and they, it sounds like they want to go more run heavy under, I think it's Bill Callahan, right? Um, who is one of my favorite people because of how he just decimated the Raiders back in the day. But um, yeah, I, I think right now it's Kamar and McLaurin and, and PPR. Juju, I think will be fine, but his ceiling I think is limited with backup and third string QBs. Carry on seems to be gaining more traction. But Kamara is always going to be there. He's always going to get targets. Um, and McLaurin seems to be the real deal thus far. Yeah, I'm going to go with Kamara as well. Um, I say Kamara because he's the best player in the in the deal. Um, 
with that in redraft, especially. Um, I think you got to go with the the stud running back here. Uh, I, I, I agree with everything Stompy said about Juju. I love Juju as the play as a player, but we're talking about he's probably starting with a third string quarterback at this point. Um, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure that that's going to turn out well for the Steelers. Uh, for for my Steelers, that is. Um, as far as McLaurin versus carry on, I mean, carry on is a good player. He's a solid RB two week to week, but I still don't trust Matt Patricia. Um, Ty Johnson is getting a little bit more work. I'm not worried about carry on, not being a bell cow, but I still think from an upside perspective, he's, he's somewhat capped on the offense that he's on. Um, I don't think that team is going to be ahead as much anyway. Uh, the, the nice thing about Kamara is that it doesn't matter. He's not game script dependent at all from the running back position. If they're behind, they're going to be dumping it off to him all game too. So, um, again, I think that, I think you just go with the best player there. Yeah, sounds about right to me. So we can sweep that one. And real quick, just a happy birthday to happy beer fueled birthday (laughs) to Mrs. Dan Theory. Let's get into uh, some of the mailbag questions that we got ahead of time. And and everybody in the chat, feel free to send us your questions uh, here in the chat and uh, we'll get to them uh, as we go along here. But we're going to start with one from Frank B from Fantasy Wire. It's at Fantasy Wire HQ. And he asked us just for our thoughts on the 49ers wide receiving core for the rest of the season. Cause I'm sure that you guys have spent tons of time thinking about that. Um, never trust anything about Jimmy G. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it seems like Goodwin is the wide receiver to own there right now. Right. He seems to be the only one that's getting targets outside of George Kittle and that, and those running backs. Yeah, sorry, what did you say about George Kittle? Because that's the only guy that matters in this receiving court. Right, I mean, yeah. It's George Kittle or nobody. I mean, I guess you could say the running backs have some value, but it seems like based on what we saw this week, um, now that Tevin Coleman's back, it's going to be split pretty evenly between him and Brita. So um, I feel like it's kind of hit or miss. Um, I don't expect both of them to have uh, the games that they had at the same time like they did this week. Um, I think – one guy is probably going to go off um, and one guy is probably going to disappoint you. So depending on which guy you have, you're kind of, it's a coin flip for me on which guy is going to be more effective. I mean, I think it was interesting that Coleman ended up without touching um, Brita in that game, just because I didn't think that was going to be the case with him coming off the high ankle sprain. But uh, as far as wide receivers go, I mean, Debo, is the one that I like the best, but I don't think that you can trust any of the wide receivers um, from a week to week basis. And, and if you just have Dante Pettis, you might as well just shoot yourself in the foot because uh, there's no reason for him to be rostered anymore um, in a redraft league, especially league, especially. And and here's the issue with Debo is he's had that one game. And then other than that, he's been non-existent. Whereas like Marquise Goodwin at the very least has, is a deep threat. So he will give you those big games every once in a while. But even now he's had 77 yards, 41 yards, 41 yards. So at the very least, he's giving you some sort of points. I mean, he's not getting a lot of targets, but he's getting deep targets. So he has at least that going for him. But yeah, Yeah. I mean, Ethan's right. It's, it's George Kittle or nobody. Cause I'm not, I mean, it best guess, 
whether Debo or Marquise Goodwin are going to get have the big game. And I just don't want to trust Jimmy G because Jimmy G just has not been a good quarterback uh, thus far. So it gets a little interesting this week at the LA Rams. Definitely the best offense they've faced so far this season. That defense is really kind of keeping them in a negative game script as far as the passing goes anyway. So it's a, it's a little hard to tell. Um, they've been able to get by with the running game so far, and I don't think that that's going to going to be the case quite as much going forward. They've got the Rams this week. Uh, they have Carolina in uh, week eight, which very well could be the return of Cam Newton. They still have Seattle on the schedule. They've got Green Bay. They've got Baltimore. They've got New Orleans. They've got Atlanta. So we might we we might see the game script at least flip a little bit on them, um, and and see them at least be in a position where they have to throw a little bit more. Even then, though, I, I still want Kittle. <laughs> That's the, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's I agree with what Stompy's saying on Goodwin, just because he only needs one big play, and we know he can give you that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think any of the wide receivers you can trust outside of Kittle. I mean, Kittle is the only. The offense is running through him in the past game. So there's really, to me, it's you're taking a shot on any of these guys that maybe they'll emerge, but none of them have at this point. Also, San Francisco is last in the league or first in the league in terms of run to pass ratio. They are running the ball 57% of the time and passing them all 43% of the time. So that's just one of those things where it's like, you you want it's not it's a concentrated offense in that there's only one player that you can really trust to get the volume necessary to be fantasy viable and that's Kittle. Yeah, so, I agree. So the next one I've got for you is it's a trade that our friend Dynasty Outhouse made. Um, so he had an original trade that he was working on uh, that and he ended up changing it. So I'm trying to find the real one, but we'll start with the one that he was originally considering. So uh, it's a, he's in a rebuild in a super flex dynasty. Uh, he had um, has Baker Mayfield and Mitchell Trubisky and Marcus Mariota and was thinking about trading uh, Baker Mayfield. He would get back Chris Carson, Jarvis Landry in a 2021st. It looks like it's headed for top six, uh, probably a non-playoff team. So which side of that are you guys taking? And then I'll find the trade that he ultimately made uh, that's awfully close to that. That's tough, man. I yeah. just – this is – and this, I, this is me trying not to take a victory lap here, but this is exactly what I – was afraid of when I said, let's pump the brakes on all of this Baker Mayfield hype. Um, We just didn't know what this team was going to look like, what Baker Mayfield was going to look like in his second season. And they traded away their, I don't know if he was an all pro left tackle, but at the very least uh, one of the best left tackles in the league. And now you're seeing the um, repercussions of that and that it's a bad offensive line. And Baker is not able to hold on to the ball nearly as well. He's not protected nearly as much. 
He's also making some poor decisions. He's not a, a, that great at reading the defense. And it's affecting this entire offense. So, But I, I, I still think that he has potential. I think he has a bright future ahead of him. And it is super flex. Now, the question that you have to ask yourself is, do you think that Carson is going to be a long-term asset in terms of running backs? And if it's a rebuild, absolutely, I don't think that's a good – you don't want to be trading for Carson. Now, he did mention that he would trade Carson away. Um, Landry has been – inconsistent at best in his tenure with the Browns. He may not be there next year because I believe his dead cap takes a gigantic dip after this season. And with that 2021st obviously is, is nice. I, I just, I have to stay with the QB here because it is the rebuild. It's a young QB and there's question marks centered around Carson and Landry, especially in a rebuild. Yeah, this one is tough for me. Um, I think it really depends on what you think you're going to be able to get. At You're going to need a quarterback. I mean, uh, as much as I like uh, – you said Mariota, and I cannot remember who the other quarterback – was it Jones? Was it Daniel Tr- Jones? Trubisky. Trubisky. Okay, yeah. so I don't like Trubisky um, <laughs> as a quarterback. Uh, and Mariota has its own – I mean, he he is – who knows what his long-term value is going forward. I just don't – I don't know if you can trust either of those guys. You know that Baker is going to be the starter. Um, they drafted him number one overall. He's got at least two more years of being the starter before they totally jump ship. And I think that I think Stompy brought up some good points on uh, on why it is that Baker isn't producing up to the hype. One, the hype was out of control. Two, his offensive line is not as good as what we had hoped it was going to be at the end of last at the end of last year versus. This year, um, the offensive line has definitely taken a hit. And I think in this trade, that 2021st is really going to decide it for you. Um, I like Chris Carson. I don't know if I trust Chris Carson long term. I like Jarvis Landry. Hopefully he ends up in a spot um, where he's trying to win and he's on a good team where he can once again return to that that. Uh, the funneling of targets, which is what he was accustomed to in Miami, um, where he really showed his his only value in fantasy from a PPR perspective was he just was getting funneled targets. Um, I don't think Landry is a bad wide receiver. At twenty twenty first, likely top six. Okay, so if it's if it's not number one or number two, you're probably not getting Tua, um, unless Tua ends up in Miami, and then. I mean, you're looking at, you're going to have to grab a quarterback with that pick. So, I mean, which of the second tier of quarterbacks? Cause to me it's Tua and then there's another tier with this draft class coming up. I mean, is it a, a Justin Herbert? Is it uh, you know, I mean, I don't really like the love kid from Utah state, but you know, a lot of people seem to be high on him. I just don't know if there's that Baker level quarterback talent that you're going to be able to get with that pick. So uh, hopefully you still have your first because I that's my number one rule. If you're going to rebuild, 
you have to have your own first rounder to rebuild that just it defeats the purpose to trade that away so hopefully you're setting yourself up to get a quarterback if you're going to take this deal but i still think baker is a guy that i'd be trying to build around as opposed to getting rid of him i think the value is pretty fair but um, i think you're probably probably selling your team a little short by getting rid of your your only viable quarterback piece um, in terms of the rebuild yeah that's totally it and a, a little bit of uh hidden context there is the fact that he doesn't have i i don't believe he has his own pick he doesn't have any 2020 firsts uh before making that trade so with that first i mean regardless of where it lands it's it, it has to be a quarterback so you know you're you're pretty much tied into that and that's that's not a good position to be in when you already had a quarterback you know to get rid of that and take on a pick that you're going to try and turn into a quarterback it's just uh i i went with the baker side for all the same reasons but i'm curious if it changes things for you guys if you take out jarvis landry and replace Nikhil harry i mean not really because of what ethan said like you're running into an issue with quarterbacks. Baker is a young quarterback who has the most promise on this team, and you can't guarantee anything after two. I mean, you can't even guarantee Tua is going to be an elite prospect or, or an, a, a good quarterback in the NFL. And we've seen Baker be a good quarterback in the NFL. So at the very least, at minimum, you are swapping Baker – or you're basically swapping Baker and Tua um, at like the same level um, at maximum. I think you're you're get you're keeping Baker and getting a top ten talent. So I have to stick with Baker. Yeah, I can't see. I mean, just because we're we're talking hypothetical. So hypothetically, you end up with the first pick. That's best case scenario in this trade. Um, Tua is going to have to go to a team that's not Miami for this to be worth it for me. Um, the only teams that I could really see him landing on that I would be like, man, I, I kind of like Tua versus Baker in his situation, which is still a good situation. They just need to build the offensive line is maybe uh, the Bengals. I mean, I, I guess two on the Bengals could be okay. He's got Tyler Boyd. He, he'd have ideally a healthy AJ green, but who knows if that's actually going to be the case. Um, maybe John Ross will be healthy for three games as opposed to two this year, next year. I mean, they're just the problem with that I have with getting rid of quarterbacks that are young and super flex and not getting another young quarterback in return is that you're banking on a, a guy coming into a good situation. I liked Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen has been on the two worst NFL teams the last two seasons. Even if you like a guy, even if it's a good quarterback prospect, situation matters for those guys so yeah the the likelihood that you're, you're you're trading for an unknown at this point so i'd probably still stick with baker um the harry versus landry doesn't really doesn't really move the needle for me either way i mean landry's still pretty young and we've seen him be productive we've never even seen harry uh playing an actual nfl game that matters so uh again i think i like harry as a prospect but uh, until you see him on the field you don't know for sure what he's going to be either by by the way on that i think harry's a good buy candidate right now i mean we've seen a lot of second year wide receivers break out this season Cortland Sutton, michael gallup 
Christian Kirk a bit, um, DJ Shark. And if you follow Peter Howard, which you should be, he's, he talks about how second-year breakouts are more common than third-year breakouts in wide receivers. So Nikhil Harry has the draft pedigree. He has the college production. He's definitely a buy-low candidate this offseason. Yeah, I think most rookie wide receivers are a good buy low in season uh, of their rookie year just because the value is they're always overhyped in the beginning of the year. Once teams start playing, they realize the production is not where you want it. I mean, you can basically name any rookie wide receiver this year outside of Terry McLaurin, who I think is is you're probably paying a premium for. And you're you're I would probably be pretty happy with what you paid um, for the most part. Uh, you know, guys like Paris Campbell, who's hurt, um, Nikhil Harry, who's hurt. Um, Nikhil Harry is a good one because I think right now you haven't seen him at all. So you can play into the injury like, hey, you're not even going to get this guy until like week nine at the earliest. And then he's behind two other people. You know, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of reasons that his value is depressed. Um, J.J. Arcega Whiteside, if you like him. I mean, I guess if any wide receiver that you liked uh, that was a rookie, you should be asking around in dynasty right now because most of them haven't broken out yet let's go into the chat here from panda havoc is aj brown just the wide receiver to own in tennessee or still holding out hope for Corey davis with how the team stands now with Mariota at the helm no i yeah aj brown is the why? Well, I, that it's actually tough to say. So I, I tried to say that last week, but um, if you actually look at the target share, they're pretty even. Corey Davis and AJ Brown. Um, now I would have to look at like catchable targets and whatnot. I haven't really dug in all that deep to this, but uh, Delaney Walker has the most targets, so. And that, that should be fairly obvious. He was Mariota's favorite pass catcher uh, before his injury last season. And then it's Corey Davis, and then it's Adam Humphreys, and then it's A.J. Brown. Corey Davis, it's 21, 20, 22, 21, and 19 targets. So they're all pretty even. So there's not really a wide receiver one for Tennessee. Um, A.J. Brown just happens to have been more efficient thus far. And really, it's just the – the two games he had a hundred yards in week one, and then he had 94 yards in week four and two touchdowns outside of that. He had 25, four and 27 yards. So you can't really, ex- I mean, maybe, maybe AJ Brown's more of the boom bust guy. And and this is something that we, we saw in college is he's able to work in the open field. He's able to break tackles, but I, I don't know if there's a wide receiver one. And I honestly don't know if there is, Right now, and this is not me trying to pick a fight with John on live uh, live YouTube here, but right now with with Mariota and this offense the way it is, I don't know if there is a pass catcher that I want to trust outside of Delaney Walker. Yeah, that's that's probably fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably fine. What you just no, said. It probably fine. might be out. Even right. if we, I we guess. say that Delaney Walker only has four targets and two receptions over the last two games. So, I best guess at this point. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I was. 
I, I wanted to say that the the schedule opening up quite a bit here is going to make a difference. I, that's not totally the case. I mean, you you now you're past Denzel Ward, you're past Pierre Desir, you're past Jalen Ramsey. I mean, you've got him one more time here. Past Tre'Davious White, uh, Chris Harris this week, Casey Hayward next week, and then it it does get quite a bit easier as far as the schedule goes. But um, so and the problem has been that Corey Davis is very matchup dependent. Uh, he, I mean, his best game was against Atlanta, where they don't really have a you know that shutdown guy. So um, it's I I think that there are probably better days ahead. Uh, for particularly for Corey Davis. Uh, but as far as the, who do I want to own in Dynasty, I would say at this point, I think it's probably A.J. Brown. But it, I mean, like you said, I think it's fair to say that it's not going to be I, – I, neither of them are particularly trustworthy. I mean, to me, this is – uh, this is pretty clearly AJ Brown for me personally. I was high on him coming in. Um, I, I agree with what Stompy said uh, to a point. You know, you mentioned oh he's only had the two good games. Well, he's only played five games, so two out of five games he's been s- startable. Uh, he's not getting the targets that you would hope. Um, this offense doesn't like to pass if they don't have to. Their goal is to just run Derrick Henry until the other team gives up from trying to tackle him. Um, I will. I do think it's worth noting, though, that he did have a touchdown called back last week um, because Mariota was over the line of scrimmage. So, again, you, you could be looking at three out of five games where he had either uh, over 100 yards uh, receiving or a touchdown. Um, and then, obviously, the one, the one game two weeks ago against Atlanta who – just bleeds fantasy points to everyone, uh, 94 yards and two touchdowns. So, I mean, the fact he's getting some usage down by the end zone is nice. Uh, but to me, you can't trust any of these pass catchers in any way, shape or form is AJ Brown, the best option as far as the wide receivers. I think yes. Um, but again, you're talking about rookie wide receivers. What do you really expect from him? If he has 600 yards and four touchdowns this year, you're like, "Woo, this is amazing!" You know, hopefully he gets a quarterback that actually throws the football next year. But uh, again, you know, uh, your your expectations have to be lowered. This is this team is probably not going to produce a top 24 wide receiver. They're only going to produce a top 24 tight end because tight end is horrible across the league and he's at least getting some volume uh running back is the only position you want on this team uh, and that's derrick henry and that's that's really only because he's the only one they're using consistently um and he's just going to grind it out uh legarrett blunt style i always say that he's a, a current day legarrett blunt you just run him and run him and run him and run him and then eventually he breaks one off because you just get sick of tired of trying to tackle a rhino every play uh it's not necessarily because he's good at football but um that's my own spiel but anyway yes the the answer i think is aj brown uh the question the the real question is if is this even worth debating i don't really know if it is (laughs) well and here's the other thing so i had to spend the entire offseason defending marcus Mariota. And the fact that he was going to keep that job because Ryan Tannehill is not good enough to take that job. He's just, he's just not. But now we're to a point now that, now that that we can put that part aside, 
Uh, Stompy and James have been completely vanquished on as far as that goes. Marcus Mariota is the starting quarterback in Tennessee and will remain the starting quarterback well, in Tennessee as long as Ryan Tannehill is the only other option. Now we can kind of turn our attention to what should the Tennessee Titans actually do? And it, it, it's a very good defense. I think they've got all the pieces on offense. Are you going to win a championship with Marcus Mariota at any point? I don't, I, I don't see it. So, I mean, maybe now the conversation should really turn into, you know, do we move on at quarterback just because is this guy serviceable? Of course. Can he, is he an NFL starter? Sure. Is that good enough for us though? It pro it, it really shouldn't be. So uh, there's a chance here still. I mean, he's, he is in a walk year. There's a chance that they move on at quarterback. And to be perfectly honest, I think they probably should. And that could just change everything altogether. Well, it just it feels like they haven't gone all in on either side of the ball. Um, mm-hmm. The Titans are their defense is good, but it's not like elite to the point that it can carry this team into the playoffs and into the Super Bowl. Their offense, and Mariota doesn't lose them games, but he's not necessarily like a guy that you want to lean on to win you games either. I mean, sure, he has a he has seven touchdowns and zero interceptions, but there are games where he has 154 yards, 183 yards, um, 227 yards and three touchdowns. And it, it's just those aren't statistics that you would be like, oh yeah, well this guy can can win you games. I mean, yeah, there there are there are those three touchdown games he has, but that one um <laughs> Again, trying not to start a fight here with you, <laughs> but he has. Start I mean, the fight. He, he has <laughs> had a lot of help. I mean, AJ Brown has been fantastic yards after catch. Derrick Henry had that he was going to be. That's that was one of the things he was good at in college. So right. I mean, again, that just goes back to the the AJ Brown debate. But, but continue. So, I didn't mean okay. it's like he's not a guy that's going to throw three touchdowns without some help. Um, he's not a Patrick Mahomes, obviously. He's not a, a, a um, prime Aaron Rodgers. He's not a prime paint manager. He's not he's a prime Alex Tom Smith. <laughs> he's, to me, he's he Alex Smith. He defines a game manager. And when you have a game manager, you need to have an elite defense that will carry you. And that's what we saw in like the 2015 Broncos is that that defense was so good that it didn't matter that Peyton Manning had had fallen off the cliff and Brock Osweiler was the other guy that was stepping in. Basically, they just didn't need to turn the ball over and give the defense a chance and they would win. And that's not what the Tennessee Titans are right now. And so I, I definitely agree. They need to move on and get a different QB here, somebody that can actually win you games. Now, it doesn't have to be elite level, but like let's just say a Jared Goff type. I think would help them tremendously. Um, I don't know if you can, if we consider Carson Wentz elite at this point, but I think a Carson Wentz type or Matt Ryan would be extremely helpful for, to this team. Um, but I mean, after Tua this season or this upcoming um, class, you have a few game managers in there. I think Jake Fromm is one of those that's like, well, we consider him more of a game manager. I don't know what Justin Herbert's ceiling is. Uh, we have Jordan Love who. 
a lot of people are enamored with, but we don't know necessarily what he is going to be either. So, uh, yeah, I think they are stuck for a little bit until they can find that QB or they commit to just building one of the most dominant dominant defenses in the league. Yeah, definitely. I, I, there's a chance that Cam Newton ends up on the, the open market, and that's the type of guy – that's the type of guy you can actually build an offense around, but otherwise I agree. And and this is just kind of my overall perspective when it comes to quarterbacks in the NFL. I feel like these NFL teams need to be more aggressive about this stuff. So during the, uh, the, the Chargers Broncos game this week, uh, I, I believe is NFL live that put up a, a graphic that showed since 2006, there's been one quarterback for the Chargers. It's been Phillip Rivers. And and it was something like 13 quarterbacks for the Broncos, something like that in that same span. And the part that got left out is the fact that in that span, I mean, have the Chargers won any playoff games? They might have won one or I think, two. I think they beat the Colts once. Yeah, yeah, that's right. With Darren Sproles having a monster game. But, I, it, I mean, they haven't been to the Super Bowl. They certainly haven't won any championships. They haven't won anything meaningful. So that continuity at quarterback, what is that actually doing for you? It's, it's At this point, it's kind of holding you back. To me, as good as Phillip Rivers is, and this is a fantasy football podcast, so, you know, that this, this isn't totally relevant for what we're talking about. But from an NFL standpoint, at what point do you start to say, all right, this guy is not a championship caliber quarterback. Let's find someone who is, or else let's find a, a roster build that he can actually compete with that. He can actually win a championship with otherwise. I mean, what good does it do you to have the same guy for 13 years and not win anything? Every NFL team should take that perspective. But anyways, we spent way too much time on that one. Um, let's <laughs> Rapid fire. Here we go. It, yeah, here we go. So our, our boy Bill, Super Duper Flex, asks, is it time to sell high on Cooper Cup? Or do you think he can be a wide receiver one for the next several years? Yeah, this one hurts me extra special. Uh, because <laughs> it's pretty rare that I'm wrong about an injury related comeback, but I was totally wrong on Cooper cup. This dude has been unreal coming off an ACL tear. It's one of those things where you just have to take a step back and go, okay, he's not playing by the same rules that normal NFL players should be playing by when it comes to this recovery. I mean, the fact that he is producing at the extent and he's just getting fed targets and fed targets and fed targets. And maybe every player with an ACL tear, if they got fed targets, they would be producing like him, but it's, it's everything. He has, he has the total package. When he gets the ball, he's good after the catch. Uh, he's good at contested catches when he has to make them. He doesn't make a ton of them just because they run a lot of, they run a lot of schemes that get him open in space, which is where he's just killing defenses. Um, he, he's good in the red zone. He's good in between the twenties. I mean, he's, he's the safety valve for this team that used to rely on Todd Gurley as a safety valve now is shifted to Cooper cup as the safety valve. Um, and he's always open. I don't understand it. It doesn't look like he's moving exceptionally fast, but he's always open. So that just tells me that just from a route running perspective, he's just on another level. And I always joke about star players, Real superstars always heal faster. Uh, <laughs> called star healing. I coined it. I made it up. Um, 
But it seems like, like the it. guys that are superstars, legit superstars, heal faster and come back stronger than normal NFL players do. And when I see a player do something like that, I wonder, man, if he takes that kind of approach to recovery, he's taking that approach to everything he does on the field. And that, to me, tells me that he's going to be a stud for a long time. So, no, you don't sell high on Cooper Cup. You, if you're going to sell high, you wait until he just kills it for the rest of the year, and then you try to sell high then. But even then, I mean, he's young. He's doing everything you want him to do. I just – I haven't ever been a huge fan of selling high. <laughs> like, you know, you don't sell people. You don't sell people that are helping you win. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with but I mean, it, it really depends on like trends and stuff for me. So, but this isn't new for Cooper Cup. This has been going on since basically the second half of his rookie season. So, I just I want to I want I'm going to just list off a bunch of uh, his fantasy point production since the since their we the Rams week eight buy in 2017. So he started off in week nine, 8.4, 10.7, 12.4, 19.6. 11.8, twenty two point eight, four point one, sixteen point five, twenty point nine, 16.8, point eight, 12.3, 16.8, 37.2, 21, 1.2, 19.9, 8.9. And then you get into this season where his lowest output is 11.6, but he had 10 targets. He got seven of 10 targets. And since he's had 17, over 17 fantasy points. So it's not like it's new. Cup fits Sean McVay's scheme perfectly. And it and yes, he is a fantastic route runner. Um, he's not overly quick, uh, but Sean McVay finds ways to get Cooper Cup open. And he, he fits he fits perfectly in this scheme. And there is no reason for them to get rid of Cup. Um, like like Bill said in, in the chat, he is there for at least one more season. But if you look at uh, the contract situation there, their their cap space is a little iffy, uh, I believe, after next season. But if you look at Robert Woods' contract, he's probably the one that's going to be cut because um, right now his dead cap is 3.5 this year versus his cap hit of 8.1. Next year it's 9.1 to 4.3. And then after that, it's 9.1 to 1.1. So it seems like Robert Woods will be the casualty of, of cap space or, or getting fight, trying to find cap space or Todd Gurley for that matter. Cause I don't, I would have to look at Todd Gurley's um, cap, but yeah, I, I mean, I would not be selling high on Cooper cup because as long as he's with the Rams and really, if he finds himself in a different team, that knows how to use him, he's going to be extremely valuable. And that's the way that the NFL is going is slot receivers are becoming extremely valuable. I mean, if we look at the top, let's just say 12 um, receivers right now, Chris Godwin is a slot receiver, Cooper cup, uh, Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, Tyler Boyd, Adam Thielen. Those are basically, I think I said six names there of the top 12 are slot receivers. Yeah, and to me, uh, the the kind of the biggest point is the one that you made on the the contract situation. All of that's going to come to a head here in the next couple of years. You know, they got that window 
where they found Jared Goff, they got him on the rookie deal, and you know you're you're able to just spend like a drunken sailor at every other position because your quarterback situation is locked up super cheap for four years. But that's about to come to an end, and all of these uh, all of these guys are are going to have to go. You're going to have to break up that wide receiver core. You're going to have to break up. You know, Todd Gurley probably is one of the first to go. You know, based on the 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 knee stuff and and just the fact that the running back position, even the great Todd Gurley, is highly replaceable. That defense is going to start to get blown up, and you're going to. It's going to be a little bit of a rebuild. You you don't necessarily have to rebuild it. You can kind of reload it, but you have to do some some bargain shopping, and that's the big thing. I think that that wide receiving core is going to get blown up when the time comes and, and Robert Woods is easily the odd man out as the oldest of the group. Brandon cooks is a, has a pretty big price tag. So I, I could see him going as well. And at some point, you know, Cooper cup, it, he's already the the top wide receiver on that team anyways. So, and he's probably the cheapest of the three. So, yeah, I mean, I think that he's, he's, probably got the safest job of that entire group got one that's that's meant to be for you ethan um so we're just gonna sit back and let you answer this one even though this will also be on the start sit shows we're gonna we go through all of these injuries but uh this is from david ruelis and he's asking do you think david johnson plays with back spasms I need a second running back and all I have are Chase Edmonds and <laughs> Hilleman, whatever. Uh, John Hilleman of the New York Giants. You can't put Hilleman in there. Um, yeah, there's got to be something. In one league, but it's because I there's no other running backs. I got hit with multiple injuries. Anyway, long story short, um, do I think DJ plays? Yes, most likely he does. Um, he his snap percentage dropped to a a, a very mediocre seventy percent um, with these back spasms. I still think he he's getting close to that. They might give him um, a similar rest. Maybe he only plays sixty percent this week. Um, yes, I think he plays. Um, I'm assuming by Edmonds, you mean Chase Edmonds. So uh, if for some reason David Johnson is ruled out with these back spasms and he can't play. You just slide Chase Edmonds right in there. I'm pretty sure they're playing Atlanta this week. Um, somebody might have to fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure that they're going up against Atlanta, and Atlanta just bleeds bleeds catches to the running back position. Chase, Chase Edmonds has looked good um, for the most part every time we've seen him with any kind of opportunity. So um, Chase Edmonds is one of those guys. People always ask, you know, who are some running backs that could could really blow up if they just got an opportunity? I think Edmonds is one of those guys for me. Um, David Johnson's getting a little bit older. Every team that I have David Johnson on, I have Chase Edmonds on, and I'm I'm perfectly content with him riding my bench in Dynasty um, for as long as I have David Johnson, just because I feel like uh, Edmonds is a capable running back. And like Stompy said, even the great ones are replaceable eventually. So, um, do I think he plays? Yes. Uh, would I, if he doesn't play, are you okay with Edmonds? Yes. Um, don't start Hilleman. That's, that's all I got with that. Good <laughs> question. Interestingly, Atlanta has not given up a lot of receptions this year to running, to running backs. backs. Normally, typically they do though, right? 
That's they did kind of their year, thing, right? Last year because they didn't have Deion Jones. Um, okay. Maybe it's just that you don't have to dump it off. You can just launch it down the field. The Cardinals have not given up a lot of fantasy points to running backs this year, but that's because their secondary is so atrocious that yeah. they just have to throw the ball. So I wonder if Deion Lewis might be on, on your waivers there, David. Uh, on the road against the Denver Broncos, who just gave up 16 targets to Austin Eckler. I don't think that Deion Lewis is going to get that type of volume, but that could be a plug and play for you. Uh, let's see. Panda Havoc had another one for us. What is Terry McLaurin's long-term ceiling? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this one's hard because of because we don't know what Dwayne Haskins is. He proved not to be ready in the preseason. Uh, he looked terrible. Uh, in what week four was that right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I mean, McLaurin has has done well with Case um, Case Keenum, but other than that, with Colt, he wasn't good. Of course, they were playing New England last week, so I don't think you can really expect anything from um, from Terry McLaurin last week. But Dwayne Haskins looked did not look good. He had three interceptions. He only completed 53% of his passes. And that was against the New York Giants. And the Giants secondary is not good. Giants defense in general is just not good. Um, so it's in flux right now because we don't know what the next coaching staff is going to look like. We don't know what Dwayne Haskins will turn into. I think he will be fine, but we just don't know what his ceiling is. I think right now you have to expect that his ceiling is what it is right now, um, which is, I, I mean, a, a high wide receiver too. Um, and then if he gets, if Dwayne Haskins develops into a good QB, then he could be a wide receiver one type ceiling. Yeah, I, I I don't know if he's ever going to have a wide receiver one ceiling, um, just because I I worry about the touchdowns. Um, obviously, he has been able to do it so far. He is also dominating targets on that team. Um, he had Case Keenum who was throwing him the ball deep. That tends to help a little bit. Uh, from a volume, I I worry about McLaurin only from the fact that he's basically by himself on the depth chart. You don't have Jordan Reed. Didn't have Vernon Davis either last last week. Uh, Paul Richardson is a, is below just a guy. Um, Trey Quinn is a fine little slot receiver, but he's not going to be a guy that commands uh, a huge target share. So right now, McLaurin is the guy. So he is getting all of the targets. He's the only rookie outside of outside of maybe Marquise Brown. As far as consistent targets, though, I mean, look at this, seven, nine, eight, seven. So the volume is consistent. Anytime you see consistent volume, he's going to put up fantasy points. Uh, we don't know about the team. Everything Stompy brought up was a great point. Um, I think that's all going to cap his ceiling long term. Um, but you never know. I mean, maybe Haskins becomes a rhythm, good rhythm quarterback like he was in college. Maybe he just needs maybe this coaching change will help him. Um, we don't know for sure. So I, I think you treat McLaurin as f- what he is showing you right now um, and value him that way. And you, you worry less about, okay, well, long-term, what's his, 
what's his what's his absolute best case because a lot of that is it's dependent on other factors outside of how good he is at football including the fact that this 2020 rookie draft class is absolutely loaded and it's kind of hard to imagine washington coming out of that draft without without a stud wide receiver who could who's definitely going to be in the mix there for the wide receiver one job uh, at some point, if not straight up push Terry McLaurin to the wide receiver two role. Uh, so super duper, super duper flex asked based on, you know, this part of the conversation, are you holding Dwayne Haskins? I mean, in, in dynasty, you have to, mm-hmm. they, they, it sounds like that Haskins was more of a front office pick than a Jake Rudin pick, um, which makes me question what Jake Rudin was doing in that Giants game, whether he was trying to prove a point, which is just not a good way to do that. But well, it didn't work out very well for him. <laughs> I think that's I think that's what they showed us. But but yeah, I mean it, it, it's they drafted him. I mean, you don't draft a first round QB to not try to make him the starter. Um, and and John and I have seen this firsthand multiple times now with the Denver Broncos um, where like a guy like Paxton Lynch didn't show anything for two years, but they still went on with him for the, or kept going for that third year until they finally, they just said, we can't do this anymore and cut him. Um, and I don't think Dwayne Haskins is, even close to what Paxton Lynch was in terms of his lack of <laughs> work ethic. So yeah, I mean, you have to hold on to Dwayne Haskins and the hope that he continues to get those chances to be the starter there, there and is the future QB. So who would you rather have in dynasty Superflex, Haskins or Josh Rosen? <laughs> I, Ouch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think, Haskins because he has a team for the next four years with Rosen. Rosen's going to be starting for the Patriots, so I don't know (laughs) what the problem is. I actually don't hate that at all. (laughs) I mean, that seems like a very Patriots move um, because I I think from a talent perspective, Rosen has done some things that I've been really impressed. I've been impressed with him throughout the process. He got put on the worst team that he could have been put on last year. He, he gets traded to the worst team, that, the, a team that's not even trying. Let's just be honest. The Miami Dolphins are not trying to win. Um, the, only, the only thing is that Haskins is locked in, like I said, with, with Baker. He's locked in for at least three years, probably his, in the entirety of his rookie contract. Um, Haskins, to me, and this is – this some people might be upset about what I'm about to say, but – at the draft, I don't think that Haskins rubbed me very well. I think he looked like he was pouting. He was upset that he went 15th overall. Some people will be like, well, that is, that's what you want. He should be upset. And to me, I, I, I didn't get that impression. I got the impression of he thinks that he's very, very good, which is good. You should have confidence. Um, but, but it came across very much as an immaturity. You know, hey, you got – you're a first-round draft pick in the NFL draft. Uh, you're going to be the starting quarterback for this team. Uh, you can't be upset about the fact that teams took other guys over you. 
Um, especially, especially guys like Kyler Murray, um, Daniel Jones, say what you want about him. Uh, he looked like an NFL quarterback at least once this year already. Um, we've seen now with Haskins in the preseason and a little bit in the game. I, I don't really put much into games where people, guys get thrown in, but we've seen that Jones can at least make some throws. He's better than Eli Manning. I think Haskins is dealing with some immaturity. I think the NFL game is a little bit quicker than what college was for him. Um, that Ohio state offense is built around uh, not having to make it hard, a lot of hard decisions. Um, but when you see a guy like Justin Fields do what he's doing there, you really kind of have to take a step back and go, okay, um, how much were we evaluating talent versus system? And I think with Haskins, the transition for the, to the NFL was going to be harder than some of these other quarterbacks. Um, because he didn't get as much time in college to be the guy. He didn't have what I believe was the maturity that he needed coming into the league. So again, I don't know him as a person. Somebody's going to, somebody I'm sure is going to bash me about this take, but I think we got, we don't know about Haskins. You have to hold him because you, you got to give him some time to adjust and see, see then now in two years, if he's putting up ducks, Okay, maybe it's time to move on, but I don't think that they're going to give up on him that quick. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I got two stompies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had two of them for a minute there. That was that was a nightmare for me. Um, <laughs> God, you're very mean. One on either side, just yelling in in each of my ears. Um. So, by the way, I would not be surprised at all to see Josh Rosen lead the Dolphins to a victory this week at home against Washington. I that's that was kind of why I wanted to bring that one up. I, the I'm, Dolphins are going to sit Josh Rosen if it even looks remotely close <laughs> to them winning that game. They should, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's going to make them do it. I he's looked good so far, and and I I wouldn't just, say good. He has just not looked bad. I, He's he's looked fine, and and the the, the team has looked strength, bad. This, I don't know if he has. Yeah, the strength of this team though is a wide receiver core. So you know, I I think that Josh Rosen can can uh, can get those guys the ball. Albert Wilson comes back. Finally, we get to see what we were talking about all off season. So um, it's it's going to be interesting. I, like I said, I think that the dolphins might go and and get a win here. And, uh, yeah, then he's going to make them, he's going to make Brian Flores actually, uh, he's going to make him bench Josh Rosen. Uh, let's, uh, we better wrap it up. We've been, we've been at this a little too long, but thank you for everyone who joined as, as people are kind of, uh, sneaking into the chat at the last minute. Uh, what's up, Matt Williams? Uh, welcome back. Uh, a couple of the other guys who uh, who joined and left and came back. But um, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. But make sure to stay tuned for the uh, Start Sit shows coming up this week, later this week. Uh, those will be out Friday morning and Saturday morning, respectively. We'll do the NFC. Uh, let's see, the, the NFC home games uh, come out on Thursday, on Friday, and then on Saturday is the AFC home games. And both of those are going to also have injury reports from our own Ethan Turner. Uh, so very useful yeah. stuff. Um, we're going to, we're going to get off of here so that me and Ethan can go talk about injuries in fact, and uh, help you prep for 
all your lineup de- decisions for the week. The first week with four teams on by, things are going to get interesting. But thank you for joining us. Thank you all for your questions. For Stompy Sam at FF Stompy and Ethan Turner at E Turner FF underscore PT. I'm John Hogue at Superflex Dude. Make sure you're also following the show itself at Superflex Show on Twitter. And we'll talk to you all next week.